Hello and welcome to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. On this week's show, something a little different. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. As always, I'm your gracious host, Mark Blake, and I'm joined by my friends from across the pond, Mark Madison and Pete Moon. We did say that last week this pod would be a bit different, and as Pete just mentioned in the open right there, this is something different. So, first of all, how are we, guys? And Pete, how different is this pod? Uh, we're doing pretty good. It's been it's been an excellent week for me. Uh, it's It's been... Well, I don't want to speak for for Mark here, but uh, yeah, this is a is quite a different podcast than, or at least a different format from what we usually do. Same old chemistry, just uh, uh, new talking points. Mark, how are you, mate? Long time no chat. Yeah, well, well, it's been at least at least a few hours now. Kayfabe, kayfabe, brother. Kayfabe, sorry, kayfabe. Uh, since we connected, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited about what Pete's talking about. It's going to be something different that it, it's funny. It's almost like three guys sitting at a bar just reminiscing about times. Um, I remember when, and well, we'll get into that in just a second. But I'm excited about what we're going to be doing this week. Otherwise, on a personal level, um, just busy with life. And if, if things were a lot better and a lot different, we would be sitting in a bar, a couple of beers, whatever your poison, and just chatting about... Today's subject, yes, this is a slightly different show. There will not be any news pieces. This week and the next three weeks, we'll be talking about certain promotions, about the history of the promotions, about where we, where we personally see them going forward. And today's promotion, as you may have seen from the Pro Wrestling Post podcast Twitter page, is about the biggest boy in town, is about the WWE. But before we get into the, the meat and bones of, the, of this week's podcast, if you could be so gracious to to like and review and rate us on your podcast providers, that would be amazing and awesome source. I, I think that's what all the kids are now saying, awesome source. Uh, that mm-hmm. would be amazing. We, uh, we value each and every one of you, and we just want to connect with you even more. So if you could rate, review, and like us on your podcast providers, on your our iTunes or Google Podcasts, and um, you know, hit us up on, on our socials. We all, always drop our socials at the end. That would be amazing too. But... Enough of, enough of that. Let's take a, a, a trip to the past. I'm going to start this off by giving you a bit of a, a, a condensed history of the WWE. The WWE, we now know, started life as the Capital Wrestling Corporation on January 7th, 1953. The CWC worked under the NWA umbrella from its inception until January 24th, 1963, where the NWA champion at the time, Buddy Rogers, lost the title to the famous Luthez. Rogers was a huge draw to the McMahons and the CWC and were totally and utterly against the title switch. The switch happened and the McMahons left the NWA the very next day and formed the WWWF, the World Wide Wrestling Federation although they finally settled as the WWF on March 79. The longest reigning champion of the company's history was Bruno Sammartino. He held the title for, get this folks, an amazing 2,803 days. That's seven years, eight months and one day. That is a record that we will never, ever, ever see broken. 
the longest continuous reign of any world champion in all of pro wrestling. WWF has helped make crossover stars during its time. Starting with Bruno, it then went forward with Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Bret Hart, The Undertaker, and also, not forgetting the major Attitude stars, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Hollywood's golden boy, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Taking shows from dark and dingy halls and arenas to loud, brash, high-energy events, Vince McMahon and his WWE has changed the wrestling landscape. Even legitimate sports stars such as Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey have stepped foot inside their squared circle. Looking back, who got you hooked? What got you hooked? What was it about the promotion when you were uh, a kid? Um, funny enough, it wasn't anybody that was in the promotion that was tied to it so one of the things that and you mentioned all the crossover stars well funny enough pop culture being what it is when i was a kid um i can't believe i'm doing these when i was a kid stories but i am when i was a kid it wasn't anyone within the wwe but actually a celebrity on a very popular 80s television show that got my interest mr t Mr. T and being a fan of the A-Team. So in knowing and following and being so passionate about Mr. T and pitying the fool, by knowing about him, the crossover in the relationship with Hulk Hogan, and then being a fan of the film The Goonies and Cyndi Lauper, these things all seem to tie in together to the kid in me having these, uh, enjoying all these things when it came to the media when it came to film and music and and sports and entertainment and heroes, it felt like the most logical jump into watching these guys that were larger than life. So that was actually who first gained my attention. So it was around, I want to say easily before around WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania and the buildup around that and how they were everywhere from Saturday night's main event and creating those shows to Saturday Night Live and how they would appear on NBC and the crossover appeal and the entertainment and the push that they had. Now, I wasn't really familiar with other notable stars. I wasn't a Yankee fan. So Billy Martin being tied to to Madison Square Garden and in New York and what he meant or Liberace. And I could look back now and see, oh, these guys were all significant in what they meant. Muhammad Ali was also tied to it, right? And they pulled people from so many different generations, so many different walks of life and so many forms of entertainment that it was kind of hard not to get drawn to it. So when you look at somebody like Mr. T and you hear him and you hear how much he made sense in being a part of this, it was what drew me in initially. From there on, I learned a little bit about Jimmy Superfly Snook, and I learned a little bit about, wow, Roddy Piper is this horrible, horrible guy, but I yet I'm drawn to him. In watching him, he is the bad guy that you wanted to hate. There was no, at the time, liking the cool heel. That wasn't a thing. These guys drew legitimate heat from what they would do to a Bruno Sammartino and how beloved they were to how they would smash a coconut over somebody's head just to draw that that reaction so and it was also my relationship with my grandfather at the time uh, he passed away about 10 years ago but he loved watching wrestling but he loved watching the guys like whipper billy watson and then hearing him talk about bruno and being of italian descent it was like the golden boy 
was this immigrant that came in and she showed that you can come from from simple means and just work hard and be beloved he had no theme music the chants of bruno was what led him to the ring and the way my grandfather would talk about him was like he's good he's good and he downplayed it right so when you see when he sees guys that are overly theatrical i can't repeat what he said because uh we're a pg relatively pg show <laughs> but at the same time he he had that appreciation and we bonded over that um so i could so i always held that close to me and then i was following the ricky steamboats and dynamite kids and the technicians always got my they were always drawn i always got they always got my attention sorry and so knowing that they always got my attention i was always willing to listen to them watch them uh when they would get hurt i would feel their pain um and, and that was my early introduction to the WWEF actually <laughs> WWF at the time so yeah yeah that was the same so we for you for you folks at home myself and Mark are uh, of a more elderly not elderly older age than than Pete so I'm I'm quite worried about what Pete's going to say <laughs> what his early memories are because I'm going to feel incredibly old right now but oh no no you rest assured that uh that that things will be things will be just fine <laughs> uh because because I got into pro wrestling through my dad. Uh, we spoke about this briefly when we were talking about a, a Bret Hart piece that came out a couple weeks ago, Mark. Uh, yeah, my dad has followed Bret Hart from his days in Stampede. And so growing up, WWF was always kind of like, was always kind of there in the background. It was a thing my dad watched. It didn't really... I don't remember being that into it. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd cheer for Brett in the same way that I'd cheer for the Jets, but like I didn't really understand what was going on. And then, uh, see, the my my journey into the WWF is kind of a circuitous one because when Brett went to WCW, that's when my dad started watching WCW, just because you know it's where Brett is, and so. A lot of my early memories, other than, you know, Brett on Monday Night Raw, would have been stuff that happened on Nitro. But while we're watching Nitro, we see this guy from our hometown called Chris Jericho, who is doing absolutely amazing things in the ring, things I had never seen before. I had never seen anyone do a springboard moonsault. I had never seen anyone... Uh, reverse a top rope Hurricane Rana into a hold of all things. And so when when I saw him and the cruiserweights doing their thing, that's what really got my attention. And then when Jericho stopped showing up in WCW and then we found out that he had made his way to the World Wrestling Federation, that's when we kind of switched back. And, uh, and then, you know, in uh, the year later, you got Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit, other guys who were huge in the in the cruiserweight division, moving all over to the to the to the competition, and so we just kind of didn't look back because Brett's career seemed to be winding down, and all these guys were about to hit their stride, and they were about to hit their stride in a new in a new company, and then 
yeah, that was we we got to see I got to see not necessarily Prime Stone Cold. I think he would have been he would have been out at the time, but I got to see The Rock build his his feud with Triple H. I got to see kind of the tail end of Ministry of Darkness Undertaker, uh, which really kind of informs how I feel about the Undertaker. I think I think the incarnation of the Undertaker everyone loves best is kind of their their first. And uh what else was happening around that time? Uh the Hardys and Edge and Christian and the Dudley Boys sort of rising in the tag division. You had um not not a lot going on in the intercontinental scene, but yeah, there was a lot there was a lot to watch in those days. And then the following year, WCW closes and they try to to bring everyone in and and that was an interesting time, not a, not a great time, but uh, certainly a, a moment in history to live through. <laughs> that is one way to put it. Definitely one way to put it. So, so with you being in, like an, in a Bret Hart household, you followed Bret throughout wherever he went. Through that, your eyes obviously saw different talent along the way. So was there anyone mm. else in, in WWF at the time that, you saw it was like oh my god wow i wouldn't have seen him if it wasn't for brett did anyone stand out like that uh hmm. i mean i can think of guys like uh he had he had a run-in with uh with triple h early in the career um he, he tussled with mankind i'm trying to think about other other people that really stick out from that era but you know kane wasn't really a thing yet uh Mankind hadn't really hit his stride as, as you know, Mrs. Foley's baby boy. Um, you know, you look at that that era, and so many people are kind of were kind of just there. You know, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the Smoking Guns. I'm thinking of the Body Donnas. I'm thinking of um, the Godwins. You know, it, it gets kind of hard to. To really see who was who was coming up at the time, it was it really uh, it really was slim pickings back then. For <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Like who who else do I really remember? I remember, <laughs> I remember a little bit of Rocky Maivia. Ah, yeah, J- just a little bit. Not even Dwayne Johnson wants to remember Mark Rocky Maivia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember this guy who was like, he was chipper, but everyone hated him for some reason. He was too chipper for I, his own good. Yeah, I thought he was okay, but the crowd really didn't like him. Um, and yeah, Stone Cold would have been on the rise. I really, I really would have only known him as a bad guy, or at the least sort of like starting to starting to walk the fine lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really, all these people wouldn't become wouldn't really be the full package until after I came back to WWE or after I started paying attention to WWF. What about you, Mark? I mean, you, you've gone like proper old school there. This was was yeah. was there any anyone that you know stood out back then when you when you was watching it with with your with your grandfather that he was like wow. I I was always and I still to this day and like I I've told this to anybody that would be willing to listen, it to sit and interview Ricky the Dragon Steamboat because he is kind of my my measuring stick because when he and you got to understand I guess as as a kid. When he would sell a throat injury, oh my God, I thought this guy was dying. I, 
it was just so convincing. It, into some cases, you'd be thinking, okay, it's over the top, but, and I guess the way everything was filmed, whereas now, a, whereas somebody recovers in a couple of weeks, they're off TV for a month or two months, or, and it was pretty consistent. So you felt as a kid, man, he's never going to wrestle again. His career's over. And, you know, call it being gullible or whatever, but at the same time, you think back that felt real it felt genuine there was no kayfabe that was re- real he hit him in the throat with a bell oh my gosh how could he do that why why would he do that is he that jealous like i mean and all these really innocent feelings that you have as a kid you're drawn to that and then you look back and think wow i was really really gullible but at the same time I, I was a kid watching television captivated by the feelings and the emotions so that when he rose up you were right there with him when wrestlemania 3 happened wow wow you know and it was too bad that the reign of intercontinental title champion was so short but he was always the guy and him and tommy billington of the dynamite as of the british bulldogs as a wrestler Wow. I, I wish I would have seen his stuff in Japan and I wish I would have seen his stuff and the times he competed there. And I read his book, but then you don't get a real sense of the kind of competitor he was and the sacrifice on their bodies that these guys put on themselves mm. and the legitimacy of how that all came about. Yeah. Th- those were the two that always in, in my mind. And I talk about this now and are the ones that stand out. Um, I wasn't a big Hulk Hogan fan and he, he was the golden boy, but I, I really, I couldn't relate because if he's the all American guy, I'm a, I'm a second generational Italian Canadian kid. I can't connect. I can't, I can't relate. You know, I've got brown hair and he's got blonde. He's got like, it wasn't what I aspired to be, but to see, I, I, I loved martial arts films. I love Bruce Lee. It made sense. Those are the things I connected to and different strokes for different folks, but it just, this just didn't resonate with me. I know it resonated with some, probably a lot as by millions of shirts sold and fans made, but yeah. Um, I didn't get a chance to see Bruno in his prime. I'd have to watch clips of it, but there was, um, it, it isn't as, I want to say choreographed, but it wasn't as smooth transition move to move to move it felt rough and rugged and raw and punches looked like they were trying to club through you right and just a different time right but at that period yeah and then i fell out of love with what i was a kid of uh, and, and that took me away from wrestling for a little while too. see that i'm so glad you said that because that that was my next that was my next question i was going to ask you to was there a point in your in your childhood where you was like, no, this is not for me? And then obviously you came back. Was there a particular moment where you walked away or was it just a, a gradual thing? Pete? Uh, I've covered this on the show before. Yeah, but for those who, ha- uh, for those who haven't heard this, and shame on you if you yeah. haven't. <laughs> where have you been? Uh, yeah, I, I mentioned that... Uh, I was about 2007. I'd have been, I'd have been 14, 15. Uh, and 
Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit passing was really one of the things that that took me out of the product because at that time Chris Jericho had been gone for for like two years uh, he didn't seem like he was coming back and like I said Eddie, Eddie and, and Chris my 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 heroes my favorites they're dead they're not they're definitely not coming back and the circumstances under which Chris Benoit died made me think that maybe like, they're not even going to talk about him ever again. They're, they're not really going to draw the comparisons between newer wrestlers and, and Benoit that, you know, they would, that they'll do for, for superstars who show shades of Eddie Guerrero. And so just the, this feeling that, the product was was never going to be the same and that I would never that not only were my favorites gone, but that I was never going to get that sense of closure that you get from seeing somebody retire was really right. just was just a, like a huge part of of my decision to to kind of walk away. Uh, couple that with John Cena with, as he grows into the unbeatable Super Cena. It just seemed like it just seemed like things were taking a, a big step backwards, and and I didn't I didn't want to be part of this new this new Hulkamania era where or I guess Cena Mania era where really no one else seems to be getting over. No one else seems to have as many title title runs for as long as he does. What about you, Mark? Was obviously you, you touched on it there. You you walked away from from watching wrestling what was there a reason why what what even what drew you back so i I walked away around the new generation era around i want to say i was 14 15 um so i guess i want to age myself specifically but there was a span of about three years where things were just so hokey and over the top i'm like so he's a plumber and he's a wrestler. I am. He drives a car and he's a wrestler. Like I know the idea of yes, we can all have two jobs. I just don't know if, as a teenage kid, I I wanted to see that, and I was changing and the product was staying the same. So there's a disconnect, right? Like a lot of others, if you can't connect to it, you stop watching it. Funny enough, it was the internet that brought me back. I'm not going to date myself, but. Netscape. Does anyone remember that? Oh, oh my <laughs> words. Yeah. Yeah. So way back, kids, before there was Internet Explorer or Safari or Google Chrome or Google yeah. or yeah, there was Netscape. This dial up. Um, I, I really think computers had pieces of wood in them that were so old. When you would use Netscape, it's what drew me to to finding out rumors and stories about certain people. And I don't know why, but on my, my lunch breaks at school, I would be searching that up. So around 90, anyways, late, um, late 90s, uh, before it was still like the tail end of the new generation. And Hall and Nash were still part of the WWE as Razor Ramon and Kevin Nash. And Diesel. Sorry, as Diesel. Sorry, Razor Ramon and, and Diesel. Thanks before they had made their move over we didn't really get access to to monday nitro i think it was kind of sort of coming along but then 
it wasn't necessarily like you would get shows but they would air them at different times so then they had these monday night wars on the i think tsn pete aired both of them mm-hmm. did they eat yeah i think they aired nitro and they aired um raw but they just didn't air them at the same time and then at one period point we didn't even get raw here in canada it was i don't think we did i can't remember like this is early early 90s when they they were still advertising for ico pro and hey. had their bodybuilding <laughs> bodybuilding competitions i can't remember it wasn't the the hammer it was that small like arena in new york i even know what yeah, i'm talking Hammer, about hammerstein ball yeah. was it hammerstein yeah it would be back then and i can't remember us having access to watching it then i think it came on in later years when they when it was more of a raw is war or yeah i definitely cast. remember i definitely remember more of raw is war than than new generation raw yeah yeah so and yeah and they had the the war zone and and that and that came later on but that was seemed like that was big they maybe had outgrown hammerstein and they were looking at a bigger arena and filling more seats and the rampway was there but yeah, it was it was the internet that brought me back. It was less about who so much as opposed to um, media. Go figure, <laughs> a wrestling website drawn by media. And what about you, Pete? What what <laughs> what, what brought you back to, into the uh, the IWC fold, so to speak? So, I when I was in high school, I met uh, another writer from the site, John Hill, and. Him and a few other guys were were still into pro wrestling, and they uh, would talk about stuff that was going on, and I would kind of sit back and and poo-poo them because you know it was it was prime it was prime Cena mania. So the first step towards me getting back into pro wrestling was CM Punk's pipe bomb ah. because. <laughs> I remember, I remember seeing one of John's friends, uh, one of John Hill's friends, post on Facebook about something that just happened on Raw, and I tuned in to see the replay that was happening later that night, and that's when I saw the pipe bomb for the first time, and that really made me consider that things could could be changing in the WWE. Now they didn't, and I kind of. <laughs> sort of floated around for the next couple of years trying to like just like checking in every once in a while but uh around 2013 john keeps telling me about this guy daniel bryan who's been around for a little bit would have been would have been in his second year in the company when when i when the pipe bomb happened and uh he talks about this guy who's really good he seems to be like kind of the 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 sign that things are changing in the company, he's probably going to be, you know, the next big thing moving forward because, you know, the yes movement, everyone freaking loves this guy. So I think, okay, I'll, I'll give this a shot. And I started watching in the lead up to WrestleMania 30. And so kind of witnessing the ascendancy of the yes movement and just that, that build behind Daniel Bryan and then you had other things that were going on around the time, like Wade Barrett, you had Cody Rhodes, you had uh, a handful of other guys that I probably would have, that I would have known. And uh, 
Yeah, I remember I remember watching WrestleMania 30 with him. It was the first WrestleMania I had watched in years. And that made me feel like like there were like there was this whole new direction things were going to be going in. And so I continued watching uh, and then Daniel Bryan got injured and then Cena became champion again. And then I was like, okay, did I just did I just waste all that emotion getting back into this product that now has to revert to a holding pattern? But then uh, John told me about this other show they were running called NXT, and that allowed me to watch the rise of Sami Zayn and uh, Kevin Owens and Finn Balor, Hideo Tommy, that that class of NXT. And that was really what got me through to today. Like I loved, I loved that era of NXT, D- WWE itself not so much. But uh, like I got to see, I got to see Enzo and Cass when they were in their prime. I got to see Baron Corbin when he was undefeated. I got to see Samoa Joe show up in WWE for the first time. Shinsuke Nakamura. That was just. That was just a really good time with a really strong developmental roster. Great memories there. That's uh, it's making me think as well. Back the old, uh, the old that class of NXT that brought back some happy memories for me there. So, going just on this little history lesson and and looking through the the looking glass, was there one feud, one match, one moment back then that you still remember to this day? I mean, that you, you fondly remember to this day, Mark. Um, I don't have to, I don't have to stay in the old school, do I? Can I stay more with the cool kids and the more modern? Yeah, you know, it, it could be yeah. just not too modern, you know, not in the next or, or the last, I don't know, three years. Well, since the, since the site's been around. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that's not fair. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, nothing in the last three years. Um, is it just one? One big memory. It's like my my one. It's it's really really old, but I remember Warrior beating Honky Tonk Man for the for the IC. That that's my one big memory. So much stuff has happened, and more important stuff has happened since then. But for me, that's just one memory that instantly pops into my mind, and I'm like, ah, yeah, you know, happy memories. Well, looking back on it, maybe not so happy memories because he was stiff as whatever, but. You know that that's that's that thing. Is is there anything for you that instantly, bang, is is there front and center in your mind? Uh, um, if you need a moment, go for it. I have mine. Yeah, go for it. WrestleMania twenty, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit oh. standing tall as champions while the confetti rains down. That was just that was like the culmination of everything I've ever wanted since I was a kid. All right, I guess it was it was two thousand four. I would have been. I would have been 11, but like everything I just spent the last five years watching. Yeah, that was, that was perfect. I don't think there's been a moment as perfect as that since. And I don't think there ever will be because I don't think they would invest in two guys that that close ever again, but that's a story for another time. But you're right. That was, that's just one moment. You said it all of a sudden I'm transported back to watching it live over here in the UK and I, I kid you not, I had tears rolling down my face. I was not, yeah, I wasn't I'm, expecting Eddie to come into the ring. I was expecting Chris to just, you know, celebrate his championship. And oh man, that was awesome. 
I'm, I'm, I'm holding back from welling up right now. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mark? Have you got one? Um, WrestleMania 18. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. So, as a Canadian, I'm not a, typically a fan of really either guy. Like, I can't say he was my favorite. I mean, I could listen to a rock promo all my all night long, but to see fifty thousand, maybe sixty thousand people just switch <laughs> and just turn on the rock and all go old school. Um, yeah, that that from a fan's perspective, not being a fan and just watching that reaction and seeing like, I can't believe it. they just did this. They just turned Hogan face. He didn't have to do anything. He just had to stand in the ring and soak in and create uh, an iconic moment. That's also a thing that we like to do in Canada. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, Bizarro World. Yeah. High five. Yeah. Good, good old Bizarro World. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. You, bizarro World. We are Bizarro world. world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's other places in the States that are Bizarro World, like uh, Philadelphia. Yes. But you are definitely in Bizarro World when you're in Canada because we will not take WWF's guff. <laughs> we, we brook none of it. No. Nope. And I guess that also kind of, that also kind of dates back to when they tried to turn Brett heel and, and Canada just wasn't having it. Yeah. No, no. That was that was really uh, good. Yeah. That, I, I enjoyed that storyline. The fact that he was he was a, just a hero in his country and everywhere else in the world he was a heel. It was it was different. It was you know something that hadn't been done before. It was admittedly that it had to be like that because the the Canadian crowd forced their hand. But that was that was great. Yeah, yeah you talk about WrestleMania's eighteen. That was that's that's uh, one of the early WrestleManias I remember watching, and. uh I also remember Chris Jericho losing the 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 undisputed championship that night. Mm. So conflicting conflicting emotions for me there. Uh, yeah. I, I won't go into detail about how I feel about that match. Uh, there's a, a listener who's a close friend of mine, Mister O. He uh, he's a massive Hogan fan. He he said that's one of the greatest things ever. Admittedly. It is one of the greatest things ever, but as a match, it, it doesn't hold up. But sorry, Mr. O. Sorry, Hogan fans and everyone else. So we're going we're gonna to take a, a, a quick break from walking down memory lane. And we're going to pass this over to the Pro Wrestling Post head honcho, the editor-in-chief, my good buddy, Mark Madison, who's going to give you some future and past pieces that we've got coming on the site. This, um, this past week has been completely mad on the site because we have the seven nights of fright series we did we touched on this briefly last week what exactly has gone out and what's to come okay so uh, as we recorded we've had uh, a return of one of our longer standing uh, writers that uh, he typically covers one promotion and i said well what about this what was like yeah i could do that so Somebody that didn't get a chance to write in like six months has put out three pieces in a week. Uh, so good on him for that. Um, so Bill Potts has put out, uh, we've had one piece on vampires. They are wrestling's gothic mercenaries. That came out today. He's put out a piece on the boogeyman and how he's coming to get you. And then one on Papa Shango and the ties to voodoo and how that would create fear. And it's... Um, 
I guess some how the stereotype actually and in, in, it doesn't necessarily work today. So those have been the three pieces that he's he's put out. Uh, I've had fortune of writing about Leatherface, and we touched upon it last week, and how it was former WWF wrestler Corporal Kirshner who went to Japan and uh, embraced this gimmick and character, and then it's had various run-ins and relationships with other on-screen horror characters in the ring too. So those have been the 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 five that have gone out. We've also had one on the Great Muda, Alec Podgorski has also put out a wonderful piece on this particular element of Muta where it's not it's not with his ma- it's not with his makeup but with his mask and how he's created fear and that's all tied to the legacy of this character and it's been wonderful. Uh we are going to have a couple of other pieces coming out. Uh we have one piece coming out tomorrow on Kevin Sullivan and his army of darkness and how the things that he did in the early eighties would be poo poo today. Um, very much so. Um, everything from domestic violence to, uh, lynching to some really, uh, really cutthroat, uh, things that wouldn't be as acceptable, but really he had praised Satan and how he embraced him and how that was in a Catholic area not going to go over very well. So it really created fear and shock and was at the time very much cutting edge. So um, that is what's coming out. Uh, we hope to have a couple of other pieces. I, I don't want to spill the beans yet because um, if something for whatever reason doesn't pan out, I'd feel sad about it. Uh, we will have a piece on mankind and his origins coming out as well. So um, this is what we know. We could have a couple of surprises coming out. Just stay tuned to the site. And uh, Pete mentioned him a few moments ago. Mr. John Hill, he has a, a a piece coming up soon. I think it comes out Sunday, is it? He does. Uh, John, uh, one of our resident Joshi experts, talks about Mayu Iwatani and her rise to stardom is the as the brightest star of stardom. And fans can and readers can look forward to her ascent to the top come Sunday. It's a wonderful piece. Thank you, John, for writing. Fantastic. It. As always, the pieces will be on the site or are on the site already. And I and Mark and Pete. Oh, sorry. One other. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow, slow I, up. I completely forgot. Uh-oh. What have we forgot? One other. Part four of Georgia Madden's History of Bullet Club is coming out this coming Monday. Oh, fantastic. Um, Yes, very excited about that. Um, it's Georgia, who is our resident AEW reviewer, covers our weekly independent wrestling, is bringing back part four. We are soon to have her on as a guest uh, once this series is complete. Um, just uh, think there's a part five and potentially a part six. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, that's coming out on Monday. Uh, can I plug something while we're here? Hey, wouldn't be the same without you, mate. <laughs> wouldn't be the same without it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Brace for Impact every Monday where I do the Impact Wrestling Review. But I have a new feature. That's right. I have two features. I'm unstoppable. Uh, it's called the Impact Assessment. It's the Impact Res- Weekly Impact Wrestling Review. So read my features. Yes, plural, folks. Plural. <laughs> there is two. He has one on Tuesday and one. Is it Tuesday it goes out? I have one on Monday. Monday. And I have one yep. on Wednesday. Monday, Mon- Monday and Wednesday is is. Pete Moon Days on, on Pro Wrestling Post. We'll, um, 
we'll adjust the site's Twitter and uh, everything else for those days, just to make, just to remind you all. Yeah, just call them the Pete Moon Post. The Pete Moon. <laughs> <laughs> Flip the W upside down. It'll be, it'll be okay. Work for Miz, I guess. I don't know. Don't, don't even get me started on the Miz. Do not get me started on the Miz. Oh. Okay, we, we're oh. going to talk about him and uh, the WWE now in a minute, but. But yeah, before I get too angry, again, let's. Uh, those pieces are always on the site, and myself, Mark, and P, and every writer on the site urge you to read them. They are fantastically written and deserve to be read by your beautiful, beautiful eyes out there, folks. Now, as I may have just alluded to there, we are, we are stepping away from WWF slash WWE's past, and we're bringing it to right now. We're going to talk about the Hell in the Cell. We're going to talk about Raw after Hell in a Cell, and we're going to talk about the next 30 days in the run-up to Survivor Series. Now, if you didn't know, and your head's been buried in a hole somewhere, this Survivor Series, this year's Survivor Series, will mark 30 years to the day that The Undertaker debuted. Now, I'm not too sure what is going on with WWE celebrating it on the actual day, but on the run-up to it, they're talking about Taker a lot. And as much as I love Taker and we all love Taker, let's not take away haha, the fact that Hell in a Cell was actually pretty damn good. I, I must admit I was pleasantly surprised. That's two in a row now for, for pay-per-views that they've pleasantly surprised me with. Boys, Mark, Pete, what, what did we think? Pete, Hell in a Cell, the, I'm going to say it right now, Roman Reigns, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yes, I saw I saw yeah. bits of that this, uh, of the ending, where the Usos kind of came out and, and pleaded with with Roman Reigns, uh, unexpected emotional moment, really. And I think that's that's the kind of thing that they've been trying to do, on and off for the past two three years. And I think this is the first time they ever really nailed it. I think they tried to do something similar when they, with uh, uh, the Jason Jordan, Kurt Angle storyline, they almost had it, but uh, no, that one, when they got the, uh, the emotional crescendo right on the head, when, when they're, when the Usos were kind of like talking to Roman about like, what's, what's happened to you, man? This isn't who you supposed to, this isn't, this isn't who we know. This isn't, this isn't our cousin. Anymore. Yeah. He was sat there in, in, you know not rocking backwards and forwards, but he was looking into the distance saying he doesn't even know who he is anymore. And wow, it, it was pretty powerful stuff. And um, in my eyes, it worked. There's, there's rumors going around now that he's going to enlist the Usos as part of his new stable, whether or not that comes, comes well, to pass. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, yeah, Mark, how in a cell, is there anything on there that, you know, could have topped that or did you like it all? Was there anything you didn't like? Uh, I I enjoyed it. Um, a little, a little disappointed by by Drew's title reign ending, but I mean, you know, if this was the f- this was gonna be it for for Orton, is the idea that McIntyre gets his chance in front of crowd come WrestleMania next year? Like, does he win it again or something? Um, don't don't go saying stuff I, like I that. Really... Don't go saying stuff like that because we we mentioned this weeks ago. We mentioned this. That that you know, he um, Drew's going to lose the title and then regain the title in a in a packed stadium somewhere. So so don't don't tease yeah. me with this just for it to be taken away. Sorry, don't, don't do it. 
Okay. I um, can we edit that? Who's ever handling the editing duties? Please delete, cut. Um, well, it, that the 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 Reigns Uso crescendo, the way that that was drawn together. Although I don't think my my wife is a fan now of of often seeking like you guys consult you you as leaders you okay this kind of behavior mm-hmm. like it's his son it's his dad you're proud that your son does what you know he falls in your footsteps but whatever uh sasha and bailey yeah that that was fun that was her from from the stomping on her hand i'm getting flashbacks to nxt brooklyn yeah. and her stomping on the hand and so if she passed over that or gave uh, Bailey the rub, Sasha did, and Bailey went in the title. It was friend giving back to friend. And I don't think the storyline is done anytime yet. It could easily go on to WrestleMania or go in different paths and then come back together. But um, it's it's just too bad that it's happened in front of no crowd. I would have loved to have seen what this would have been yeah, like. The payoff then. should have been in, in, in front of a crowd, but circumstances have presented that and we uh we saw we saw it play out on 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 pay-per-view at home instead or if you were lucky enough on mm-hmm. you know watching it in, in the thunderdome itself Okay, can can I can I go off on one about the Miz? Go for go it. Go for it. Oh, have we rewound the clock ten years? Have we really rewound the clock ten years? Because Orton's now champ, and Miz is the goddamn money in the bank to- uh, briefcase holder. Uh, what? How? Why? When? Uh, ah, this is so annoying. I so think annoying. They're listening to you, Mark. Sorry. I I think they're listening to you. 
Now, maybe Pete can correct me because I can certainly remember a certain John Morrison hitting a platform and holding back the Miz. And I can't quite remember who it was that said something along those lines. Um, do you know, Mark, who that might be? It, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand where they're going to go. The Miz, of all people, the Miz. Yeah, the guy can cut a, a great promo. The guy can, can is, oh, how can I put it? He's good in the ring. But to, as, as Money in the Bank title holder, with Orton now as champion, it's like I said, it's like it's, the clock has been rewound 10 years. And then Otis, all that big fan, fanfare, when Otis actually, I say won in inverted air, you know, air quotes here, won the Money in the Bank briefcase back at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. He was supposed to be something different. And then Vince got bored of his new toy and left him to fester in the corner. I, I, I don't know why... It's Miz. Nothing against him as, as such. I just don't know why it's Miz. Does anyone here know? I was going to hold my this, this uh, uh, opinion back until we got to the Royal Rumble, but considering it, it has to do with the money in the bank, this has to do with the money in the bank briefcase, they may as well just talk about it now. I think that money in the bank the briefcase works better for heels because if you are, if you, it works better for heels than say like the Royal Rumble. Cause in the Royal Rumble, there's 30 other guys. You got to eliminate everybody unless you come in at like late in the match. It doesn't really work for a heel. Whereas in money in the bank, you don't even have to pin anyone. You just climb a ladder, grab a briefcase. And I think there are there are times when that's worked with with baby faces, but I think even then it gets kind of formulaic because when whenever a baby face has the money in the bank briefcase, they tend to call their shot. Yeah. On the other hand, because that's the honest thing to do. Exactly. Otis didn't really seem like he had a plan to call his shot. Didn't really seem like he had a plan on who to who to challenge. He seemed like he was just more interested in in having fun with Tucker. Now, have we necessarily turned the clock back 10 years? Depends on who Miz cashes in on. Though the fact that he has a successful cash in on Randy Orton already makes me makes me a little leery about it. But uh, yeah, I think that it is certainly better to have money in the bank on a heel. That it's the Miz, uh, I, I kind of see I kind of see where you're going. The guy has done nothing. He's been stuck in the mid-card of the tag team division, if you can call it that. And all of a sudden, we've got to take him seriously as a main event player. After however many years out of the main event scene? Nah, nah, I'm calling BS on that. Sorry. Cannot mm -hmm. get behind that whatsoever. It sounds and smells of desperation booking. Just to get the Money in the Bank briefcase off of Otis. It could have gone, it could have gone to Elias... If, you, if we're going down the hill route, it could have gone to a whole number Jeff of people. Eric, uh, Jeff, Jeff Hardy or yeah. Sheamus. Sheamus. I think the yeah. idea is if, if all of your champions now are heels, then he could just be a temporary placeholder. Like he could be holding the tight, the briefcase and never really get a chance to defend it and then lose it right back to Otis. But because then now it, we've got, it, sorry, mate, it, it makes a mockery of, of the whole getting the money in the bank briefcase. It, it does. 
So I've shot it all over the place. Consider consider the only time this has happened before with with Mr. Kennedy. Like it makes me wonder, you know, did Otis do something? Well, like I said, he was. It, rumor was not well, not rumor. It was well documented that Otis won money in the bank because he, Vince saw big things in him. And then, as soon as he won it, it was literally he was pushed to one side after his little get together with Mandy Rose, mm-hmm. and then forgotten about. So maybe something did happen backstage. Maybe or just Vince just lost interest, like he normally does. So, of everyone else who was in Money in the Bank, who would you have given it to? What in the Money in the Bank? Um, match back in April, wherever it was, March, April. Yes. Uh, I would have given it to Alistair Black. All right. No, no questions asked. Straight away, Alistair Black, because he, he, they were just building him up, and that would have validated him, and they could have built on him even more going forward, and hopefully he would have cashed it in or you know done something with it by now. But, mm-hmm. but that's where I was going. Oh, boy. I just read something. Is it even worth sharing? I don't know. I don't know. You haven't said what it is. <laughs> so, so you know how the WWE has a tendency of wanting to drop a portion of a name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apparently Matt Riddle will now be called Riddle. Oh, give so up. I'm not sure if he's, I'm not sure if he's going to tell jokes. I'm not sure if he's going to wear green in question marks, but oh. he's going to go by Riddle. See, that, that's, that I, works out right. Because apparently Chad Gable is now Chad Gable again, not Shorty G. So someone no. on the roster had to lose their name. That's what it is. I just fear the day when Alistair Black becomes just plain old Al. Al. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Al Black? Yeah, God, he was great. He was Al Black. Bless him. Yeah. Oh, I could see him tagging with Al Snow. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> They'd be Black Snow. Oh, my word. Cool name for a tag team. Well, that's all... wasn't that also Brooke, one of Booker T's nicknames? Black Snow? <laughs> Somebody was Black Snow. Wow, this I know there's Black Rain, and that was Dusty Rhodes. That was Dustin Rhodes, yeah. Dustin Rhodes, yeah, it was Black Rain back in the TNA. Yeah, wrestler, I just looked up Black Snow Wrestler, and it was Booker T. Nice. Oh, it was, okay. Good knowledge. See, once again, folks, we educate and entertain. So we move on from Hell in a Cell, which, once again, as you may have heard, it was greatly appreciated by, by us all here at the Wrestling Post. We go forward to, to Monday Raw, Monday Night Raw even, the very next day. And the big thing in my eyes here is um, the complete and utter continuation burial of retribution. Thoughts, opinions, screams down the mic, carry, carry on you two. Uh, listen to the old episodes. <laughs> yes, go back to the archives, listen to every single one of them because we talk about it quite a lot. But Yeah, we did. But... But come on, after what happened on Monday, there's no, literally now no way for them to come back. Ugh. At least Hurt Business looks good. <laughs> Which, you pinched you my know, line. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You know, it, cool. means good, it, means good things for, it means good things for Shelton Benjamin. In case you, you listeners at home haven't seen Raw or don't keep up to date with it or anything, there was a tag team elimination match this past Monday night. It was the Hurt Business of MP, MVP Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexandra, and Bobby Lashley against Retribution. And the Hurt Business went over Retribution in, in quite a dominant fashion. And I legitimately cannot see a way forward for Retribution to be taken seriously. Uh, am I alone in thinking this? Can either one of you see a way out or are they just toast? 
I've been saying they were toast since day two. <laughs> you have, yeah. Oh. That's that's Pete's opinion. What's yours, Mark? <laughs> um, nothing short short of a miracle. Like unless they're gonna have a a four on four at at um Survivor Series, and that's where they end up using nefarious means, and then these other retribution members pop up from everywhere to help them to win. Like that's the only way I see them gaining a sense of something. But the build up to this point, how how can you right? If you're trying to, I've wanted, I've really, really, really wanted to, them to work. I really have. I'm like excited for the potential of Mustafa Ali. I'm like, uh, it's just there's a point where you have to like say it's just not working like it's not me it's you oh yeah yeah how true is that and and they continue to disappoint you know they continue to disappoint you've all heard me mainly talk about long-term booking on this pod we are three months in episode 12 folks i really don't know what their idea was with retribution for the moment they've got thrown together there to me to everyone else there was no clear vision of how they wanted this group to be or an end game it's it's game over for retribution i'm afraid but then now we've said this they will turn around and bite us in the ass we'll be here next week saying bloody hell how good were retribution they're so amazing well, not next week in in three weeks in three weeks yes yes in three weeks time um not much else really happened on raw there was a few bits of uh, storyline progression with with obviously Drew and Orton and a few bits and bobs. Um, so let's let's jump ahead, folks. Let's go forward to Survivor Series. Do, have you seen the matches announced for Survivor Series, folks? Yep. Yes. You have. Lots right. of title versus title. That seems to be like their brand. Yes, yeah, brand versus brand again. So we have the Raw Women's Champion Asuka against SmackDown Women's Champion Sasha Banks. That should be a good match. We have the United States champion Bobby Lashley against the Intercontinental champion Sami Zayn, and it's always great to see Sami on the card. Then we have the Raw tag team champions, The New Day, against SmackDown tag team champions Street Profits, which they kind of teased when they handed over the titles a few weeks back. And then we have the traditional five-on-five elimination matches. Um, I'm not going to go down too much into it because the SmackDown superstars haven't been announced yet. Which I would yeah, imagine we're still missing. We're still missing uh, two members from Team Raw's men's or yeah, the men's Team Raw. Yeah, so we won't we won't talk about them that much. But um, what is there anything there? Take your fancy? Is anything great looking uh, uh, push? What what if if you had the if you had the, the book, how would you book this? Screw it. Add Fi- NXT. <laughs> <laughs> If yeah, screw screw what you think about the matches now. I've told I've told you lovely listeners what they are. Let's let's do a tiny bit. Let's do ten minutes of fantasy booking. Pete, how would you book Survivor Series? Bearing in mind it's Taker's thirtieth. Ooh, ooh, that's see, that's a tough one. Like I wouldn't know what to do with with Taker's thirtieth other than like maybe announce him for next year's Hall of Fame. But they've already like have they even done this year's Hall of Fame ceremony yet? No, it's been postponed, wasn't it? Mm Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's a real difficult one. I would say uh, maybe if maybe if the fiend Bray Wyatt is on Team Raw and he's like the last man standing, that would be an interesting way to kind of like highlight the kind the similarities 
and how they're both the the spooky magic using types. That's cool. Um, I'm just going to talk about how I would book. I could, I talk about how let's talk about how I book the matches individually. Uh, I don't really know what to do with the team with the women's Survivor Series five on five, just because we still don't know who's going to be on Team SmackDown. Yeah, I'd I'd have Bobby Lashley over Sami Zayn just because you know y- you look at the two and you think that's just that's just how it goes down, and especially since Sami doesn't really have people in his corner. Uh, I would let the New Day versus the Street Profits kind of be like the low key barn burner. Because I think those those two teams are just are just so fun and charismatic that you could just kind of let them let them do their thing, let them be entertaining. Uh, I would say uh, I'd say Sasha Banks beats Oscar just because Sasha's won most recently, and I think it's important that she looks strong. And uh, it doesn't really matter how I how I would book. Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton. Reigns is probably going to take the victory. Yeah, just because uh, they put so much, they want to put so much sheen on on the Universal Championship. Yeah, bang on there. Yeah. There's the way that Reigns has been since aligning himself with with Paul Heyman. He's he's being shot to the moon in in the right way, in in my opinion, this time. What about you, Mark? Was is there anything different to that to to Pete's picks? Um, no, I. I... I like his his range over Orton win. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for why that would happen. He's got the support of potentially the Usos falling in line to aid him. You've got potentially the the Fiend being involved in some way because they seem to be teasing of something there. Um, if there's any bad blood still with Drew McIntyre, I mean, there's lots of reasons for why Reigns would win. Um, I don't know so much about Oscar losing i feel like there's more of a reason for sasha to lose because of animosity on the part of bailey costing her um that's that's the only reason why i would have think that she's she's got a reason to get back at her right you took away Mm -hmm. the most important thing that meant something to me i'll do the exact same thing now you won't lose a title but you're not a superior champion because the other champion beat you so there's that argument the idea of the low-key barn burner, I, I like that, between New Day and and um, Street Profits. With it being 30 years of Taker, I, I wonder if we might see the reliving of a feud or those that want to step up and make some sort of a statement. Um, maybe we do see a Fiend altercation with with the undertaker it doesn't necessarily have to be leading to a match but he tries to poo-poo on this 30 years somebody's going to try to spoil the parade right who's it going to be who's going to be the one to either step up or step out so uh as far as sammy Zane, yeah that that makes the most sense although he doesn't have friends and it would be funny if the one friend he's been friends with because I don't think they really had an unceremonious split. It's Kevin Owens coming to his aid. Um, okay. You know, he. They, I don't remember them really having a... They, I think they were just separated. And there was injuries that happened. And that's what kind of pulled well, them you also, away. You also see that Kevin Owens has kind of become the, the everyman babyface. Whereas Sami Zayn is now still kind of still the obnoxious heel. 
Yep. I just think that would be that would be a weird a weird shift for for Owens at least at the moment. Here's what be. I would do. Would oh, oh. <laughs> Here's what I would do. With with the the Taker and the Fiend, I reckon I reckon you're onto something there. Could there be because he hasn't actually come out and said that he's done. There's still no official confirmation saying that he's retired. Could there possibly be, be even a kind of passing of the torch where Taker not bows out, but he, he says that, you know, gives the fiend the rub that he is the next kind of, as you said, the next supernatural kind of entity as, as he takes the long walk to the back. I mean, what perfect way to, to retire than 30 years to the day that you debuted. That's, that's something I could see happening. With the, the traditional elimination matches, I've said this last year. I, obviously, I didn't say this to you two, but I said this to, like, to all my wrestling buds over here. There needs to be stakes, because at the moment, this, ha-ha, we're a better brand than you, crap, doesn't work. It's, it's forgotten about the very next week after Survivor Series. I, I read somewhere, I don't know, it might have been Taz, I can't remember, on his show. There, need to, there needs to be something on the line. I'm sure he said that the winner of the, the winning brand of the Survivor Series match gets the number 30 pick in the Royal Rumble. So Raw, Raw would want to like win it. So one of their guys would be 30, SmackDown, vice versa. Or, or I would up that and say that the people, whoever pins, whoever, whoever is standing, because normally like a sole survivor now, it has been for quite a while, whoever is the sole survivor is the number 30 at the Royal Rumble. That's what I would do. I would book it that way, just to give it some stakes. In the men's and the women's, right? In the men's and the women's, I would, I would book the winner to be the number 30. Or if there is, uh, you know, two, two, uh, two survivors or whatever, I would pick, I would, on the very next SmackDown or Raw, I would put them two and they would fight it out to be the number 30. And does the loser get 29? Loser goes back in the pack and draws a number. Ah, wow. All that work for nothing. <laughs> exactly. Good idea. Yeah, good idea. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. So I, I'm sure Taz said this on one of his, his pods a year or two ago. So I'm just running with Taz's thing. Please don't t- send him to me because he's rather, rather grumpy. <laughs> so there we go, folks. This is our first of three new formats where we've, as, as you've just heard, we've gone back to the past. We've talked about what got us into the promotion, played it forward and um, spoke about what we expect in the future. Uh, I've rather enjoyed this, guys. It's been different. Yeah. It's been a good yeah. conversation. There's lots of um, good memories brought up and some tearful ones. But yeah, it's been really good. So hopefully, as, uh, as long as you two are all right with this, we'll carry this on next week. And next week, we shall be talking about a very young company that not long turned one. Um, we're going to talk about AEW in the run-up to Full Gear. Is that all right with you two? Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. Well, sure. Sure. Excellent. So there we go, folks. Next week is all about AEW. You have heard it here first. We shall obviously be plugging on our socials. And talking about our socials, see what I did there. It's time to go home. And I'm going to pass it over to Pete. Pete, watch your socials, mate. You can find me on Twitter, uh, at Pete Probably. Uh, you can read my features, plural, both of them. Brace for Impact on Monday and the Impact Assessment on Wednesday. And you can find me uh, delivering posts for UPS, hopefully. Yes, come on, UPS. You know it makes sense. 
And yourself, Mark, where can we find you? Uh, one of many places, I'm hoping. And um, one of them being our site Twitter is at Pro Wrestling PST. Um, can I buy a vowel, Alex? And we also have Wrong my show, personal mate. one. Sorry? Wrong show, mate. <laughs> oh, you're right. What was it? Um, of Fortune, isn't it? That's Pat yeah. Jack. Oh, darn it. See, I don't watch enough television, I guess. It, it felt right at the time, and yet clearly I dropped it. Um, my own personal Twitter, at the Mark Madison. Or you can reach us on Instagram at Pro Wrestling Post. Or you can follow us on our Facebook page at Facebook. Sorry, at. Sorry, not at. at www.facebook.com backslash Pro Wrestling PST. Um, thank you to our over 3,000 likes. Please continue to like, follow us, uh, show us the love. We are the combination of new school, old school, and going back to school. Oh, that was smooth. That was really was smooth. It? It? Yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, I, I can be found on Twitter at MarkBlakePWP. The pod itself can be found on Twitter at PWP underscore pod. Please, 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 as we've said already today go and read our seven nights of frights uh series there's some wonderful pieces on there i am super looking forward to mankind as i didn't actually know it was happening until about 30 seconds before you guys did and as you all know i'm a huge mick foley mark so i'm looking forward to this uh, and as always you can download the podcast from your usual podcast providers please please be so nice to give us a uh, rate and review that would be fantastic we need the money to pay them bills so until next week, where we shall be talking about AEW, adios. Hasta luego. Ciao.